This is The Adoption Wait, a podcast brought to you by Adopting.com. I am your host, Lacey Richter, author, business owner, and a mom of two through domestic infant adoption who has endured the adoption wait five times over. Thank you, everyone, for joining me today on the podcast. I have Ashley Mendoza. Ashley is a senior communications professional in the chemical industry and a liaison with Family to Family Support Network, which we will be talking more about later in the podcast. But Ashley's here because she's an adoptive parent and also a very dear friend of mine since probably before high school. Hello, Ashley, and welcome. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. Uh, Yeah. We talked briefly, you know, when you were writing your book and um, we talked a lot when I was going through the adoption process. So now I'm happy to be joining you on a podcast, see if we can help others out on this journey. Absolutely. I can't believe I had to create a podcast so that we could talk uh, more frequently, but it's what I have to do. I'll do it if I have to do it. That's right. That's right. So today, Ashley is here to talk to me as an adoptive mom who's been through the adoption wait and knows that process very well. And we're going to focus on the topic of the hospital experience, because I know when I was a waiting adoptive parent, I wanted to know all the details and I wanted to know the details about the hospital, like what's going to happen and, and where do I go and all these details. So I'm going to, we're jumping ahead a little bit of the wait today. And we're talking about go time. We're talking about when you get that other long awaited phone call that you've been waiting for, and it's time to go to the hospital. So as a mom, the first thing I think when it's time to go somewhere is let's pack. So can you tell us, Ashley, what did you pack? What didn't you pack? And what do you recommend for waiting adoptive families when they finally get that call? Yeah, you know, packing was the fun part for me. Um, it was pack, wash, iron, pack. Um, we had waited so long and and uh, had all these precious little tiny clothes. We were we were obviously adopting an infant, so all all of our things were tiny. Um, and I enjoyed the process of getting them all washed, buying the dress, you know, all those things that that um, expectant moms do. And several times I I did exactly that. I washed, ironed, packed, took them out and did it again because, you know, maybe the weight was interrupted or, or something happened, but it, but it was fun each time. I would say that depending on the situation, there are different things that you want to consider packing in addition to those tiny little clothes. Your situation may be an infant, uh, like, like mine was, you may be adopting an older child and obviously that, that, you know, we'll call for, for other things that you need to bring. So know your situation, know what to expect. You also want to expect the unexpected. If you aren't in a situation where you are matched and you know a due date, um, you may be faced with a stark drop where a, a baby is already born and, and you're called to a hospital. So have some basic things ready to go. Um, not dissimilar from if, if you were actually physically pregnant, right? You would have a, a bag ready to go. So, so maybe consider that for my situation, again, it was an infant. Um, and I did have a relationship with, with his birth parents. And so we, we talked a lot about, you know, what we hoped for baby, what we wanted for baby. 
we never talked about what he might need in the hospital. So this really is, you know, it seems fun and it seems trivial, but but the thing you're talking about is is really important as I came to learn through our experience. So, you know, how it played out for us, it's it I had my prep. I had, you know, my bags packed. I had that type of thing. Um when I met my son, he was in a hospital gown, which was like a little yes. paper gown. Yep. And he was in a knit hat. And that hat was knit by um, a group of, of ladies in the community who uh, made hats for uh, babies who were born at the hospital that had nothing. And yeah. so, you know, for me, um, that seeing him like that was emotional. It is yeah. emotional. Especially knowing that, you know, in the car outside, I had a suitcase full of everything monogrammed and, you know, sure. everything he could ever want it. Exactly. Um, but it, in that moment, I felt like he wasn't, he, he was not quite mine yet. Sure. He was still the son of his birth parents. And, and he was, it wasn't just the exactly. way he felt that that is you know, he was. And so I didn't want to burst in a room with a suitcase full of clothes with, you know, monogram names, right. things like that. And so, you know, I did step back and we spent several hours and the way it worked for us was um, at some point, his birth mom said, you know, I didn't bring clothes for him. Yeah. And I said, Hey, don't you worry you know, I've yep. got clothes, <laughs> you know, are yep. you okay? I can go out and get them. And, and she was perfectly happy with that. And uh, what I did was I brought a few outfits in and then, and then she chose um, what outfit she wanted to put on him. And, and, you know, we dressed him together. And so I think it's important just to think through that relationship and, you know, what you want in that moment, what you want in the future. Um, yes. Clothes are important. Uh, you know, that's certainly important. Hats, tiny socks. The baby was um, early. So we we never know exactly when to expect the babies, right? Um, so right. he was. Or early. what size they're going to be. That's right. And so I remember being on a, um, you know, we were in a different city. He was born in a completely different state. And I remember being on a mission to find tiny little socks. Um, because all the socks I had were way too big. And so we eventually found them. But, you know, you also need the basics. You need a car seat. At some point, you'll need to take the baby home. And in the hospital, they do a, a car seat fitness test. And so you'll have to bring it in and, and you know, and the baby will have to pass that test and, and you'll have to um, leave the hospital in that car seat. There are also some other things that you may not think about. And it's something you can do while you're waiting research hospital policies and state laws um, where baby will be born. There were a couple things that you would think an agency would have helped with, but they did not um, in our situation. And so when we got to the hospital, we found out that to leave that hospital with, with baby, I had to have a parenting class and I had to have a CPR class, neither of which I had had. Um, and so Thankfully, there was a really wonderful nurse on staff who, um, you know, 
found the parenting curriculum and just sort of did it in the room with me. I can remember standing over the little bassinet and her showing me how to bathe the baby and wow. uh, things like that. So we did that and she was able to certify it. And depending on the length of your stay, again, my son was born in a different state. And so there were ICPC laws um, and we were there for, I think, a total of four or five weeks, something like that. And so we needed, once we were even discharged from the hospital, we needed bottles, we needed blankets, we needed detergent. Um, I know there, there are some adoptive moms who um, choose to breastfeed and either usually using donated milk or through other means. So you need all of, you know, whatever supplies you, you, you need for that. Um, yeah. someone had to so make a list, make a list. Yeah. I mean, that's and be it. prepared. Just, just have things ready to go. Yeah. And what I also hear from you in that story is, you know, you're very excited and you had all these monograms outfits, you knew baby was coming. You just didn't know when, but you were also very mindful and respectful of the expected parent as to not just barge in there with your suitcase full of all these outfits and, and shove them in the face because the emotions, they are very tricky and very high. Um, and so I think that is a great uh, point to point out that even if you're prepared and even if you have all of these things to make sure that you check in with birth mom, expectant mom at the time and find out maybe she brought a special first week, first day outfit. And so you want to be very mindful and respectful of her wishes. That's right. That's right. You know, bring compassion. Um, you know, <laughs> that's a good thing to pack, <laughs> pack your compassion, um, and, and, and be ready for feelings that you don't expect. Um, yeah. and, and just let your heart guide you, you know yeah. what to do. So now we know a little bit about what to bring and, and what to pack. And so, um, I want to talk about who to bring because, um, I had a, a really interesting experience when my first daughter was born. Um, we were in a restaurant having dinner with my husband and my best friend at the time who was visiting us and we got the call. And so, it, you know, I was like, well, wow, um, we're going to go to the hospital. So do you want to come with us? And um, in hindsight, it was very special to have her there um, to just kind of be in the background as a supporting role for me, in addition to my husband, and to kind of go through this process with her. And so what was what was your experience? What, who did you bring to the hospital with you? Yeah, so um, I am single. And so there was, you know, I, I didn't have a spouse um, to bring along with me. And honestly, I, I had planned that I would travel to state um, ahead of the baby being born, stay there and, you know, have this uneventful birth, wonderful experience and bring baby home. Well, that absolutely did not happen. It um, never happened, by <laughs> the way. <laughs> right. Um, and so uh, the way it happened was it was a holiday and it was late in the evening and um, birth father called and said, we're at the hospital. You know, he's going to be born soon. Is there any way you can get here? So I tried everything. Uh, we were 18 hours away and I tried every flight. I begged every person I knew to to fly me to to, to his state and um, that didn't work out. And so we jumped in the car. I jumped in the car, took that bag full of all those monogram clothes and I threw it in. And my mom 
you know, I had called her in the process. And so she shows up with her bag and she's, what are you doing? Hurry up, get in the car. Let's go. Yeah. It's taking so long. And I was like, oh, you're coming with me. Okay, great. So as we go to get into the car, uh, my two best friends who I had on a group text telling them all of this show up. Their husbands are dropping them off. And, wow. and you know, they said, road trip. Yeah. They were like, girls trip. Let's do this. Um, we're not letting <laughs> you go on your own. And just, you know, similar to what you said, it was so wonderful having them, especially for an 18 hour drive overnight, um, you know, having yeah. <laughs> joke and laugh and they had children. And so they were, you know, here's what to expect. Here's what to do. And one of them is a social worker. And so she, you know, worked me through all the feelings, you know, how are you going to feel? What are they saying? The other one is an attorney. And so she had a completely different. <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, you had a loaded car. We actually joked about the fact that we could, um, his birth parents joked about the fact that we could do this again on our own. We had the social workers and the attorneys, but, um, but it was great having them there. Now, when we got to the hospital, obviously they didn't all come into the room, right? They, right. Um, they dropped me off and I jumped out and ran through the, <laughs> through the emergency room exit yeah. trying to find them. Um, and they actually took a picture of me running through the door, which is a funny picture. I look all alone, but, um, but they parked the car and they sat in the waiting room and they were there several hours, uh, but they waited for us to come out. And at some point birth mom asked who was with me and I told her and she invited them. She wanted to meet them and she wanted them to come in. And so, um, we did that and, and it was very special. That's a great story. I don't think many waiting adoptive parents can um, have sort of an attorney and a social worker right. on standby. <laughs> but if you can go ahead and plan you. that, that yeah. would be fabulous. So, okay. They drop you off. You're running through the parking lot. And yeah. this is something you and I talked about in pre-interview. Where do you go? I yeah. mean, you, it, like you don't go to the information <laughs> desk. I don't know what's going to happen there. So how do you, what to prepare for? How do you know, where do you go when you get to the hospital? So thankfully in our situation, um, we were connected, right? I knew who they were and we were texting and calling a few times along the way. Um, and birth father had told me, you know, here's come up to the room, but still okay. you can't just barge into a patient's room. Right. And so I did, um, find my way to the floor and I did, you know, speak to the nurses when I got there and went to the door, knocked on the door, you know, waited for them to, to, walk me in. Um, yeah. but it, I mean, a, a hospital is confusing, right. And you're already yes. high emotion and wondering where to go. So, you know, if you, if you don't have that connection, if you don't know where to go, information desk might not be a bad place to go start. to the, <laughs> go to the information desk, yep, let them tell them your story. Yourself. That's right. I love it. That's what they're there for, right? Hospitals are full of helpers. So that's right. Um, so I want to kind of go to another topic, um, and that's the topic of what we in the adoption community and adoption professionals call the birth plan. And so uh, my oldest daughter is nine now, and my youngest is almost seven. So it's been a while, and and this may have been this may have changed. But when we were adopting, um, the expected parents and the adoptive parents sat down and made a plan with details of like. Who do you want in the delivery room and who's going to hold the baby first right after birth and where's baby going to stay overnight. And 
We had several experience with this. We had birth plans for all of the births of the babies we were there for. And we have two children that we parent, but we were actually at the hospital for four births. Um, and we had a couple interrupted adoptions that didn't happen. And so in my experience with the birth plan, um, it was a very loose guide and it changed according to the emotions of everyone involved. And there are a lot of people involved. And so in the end, it sort of set me up with these expectations that actually didn't happen. And so I want to prepare waiting adoptive parents if there's a birth plan um, being formed to expect that. And what, and tell us your experience. Did you guys have a birth plan? So we had, um, loosely talked about a few things that we wanted. Um, and it was mainly the, his, his expectant parents at the time, his birth parents now telling me what their wishes were. Um, and, but we did not, and I'll say similar to what I'll talk about with hospitals, Adoption agencies, and depending on whether you use an attorney or an agency or or whatever, they there are not standard guardrails. There are not you know standard practices saying this is best case. This is how we should handle this situation. And so the agency that we worked with uh, never discussed a birth plan with us. Maybe they did with with his uh, birth parents, but not with me. And they certainly didn't communicate that. So. It is something that, you know, a waiting parent, adoptive parent may want to, it's a topic you may want to broach if you have a relationship with the expected yeah. parents. But to your point, it may or may not happen. And I think that's true in pregnancy as well, right? Um, right. We, don't, we don't really know what's going to happen. It is, um, it's amplified with adoption. And I'll tell you, I, my experience was awful at the hospital. I won't sugarcoat that. Um, I won't share all the details for respect, for privacy, uh, for everyone involved, but the experience was not a good one. And it's due to the fact that there is not standard practice within hospitals. Yes. So I'll give some advice. Maybe that's, you know, to help you prepare as a, as a waiting adoptive parent. There's an organization uh Go ahead. Yes. Yes. That's where I was going to go next. I yeah. wanted to talk. The reason I picked Ashley to be the guest on and about this topic, the hospital experiences, um, because you had an interesting experience and a not so good experience that sort of led you to your advocacy and adoption and to become a liaison with family to family. So tell us about family to family and what that sort of what led you to become active with uh, family to family. Yep. So family to family, in short, their mission is to provide some guardrails, right? To train hospital personnel when you're working with unique families, not just adoptions, but unique families. But it does have its um, early start and roots in, in the adoption. So in the hospital, you're going to encounter lots of people, not just nurses, not just doctors. You'll have the people that come to clean the room. You'll have the person that does the birth certificate. You'll have all these different people that you'll encounter. And each person has a different experience with adoption, both personal and professional. So you have varying degrees of understanding of what adoption is. You have varying uh, opinions about adoption mm -hmm. based on their own personal experience. Family to family refers to it as, as baggage. Um, you know, whatever your baggage is, positive or negative, it influences right. the way you feel. And so 
what family to family does is, is they work on the organization and the processes, not necessarily the people. Okay. So the nurse's job, the staff's job is to provide neutral, compassionate care to the patient. In this case, the patient is birth mom and baby. Um, and it's really surprising when I sit in on the sessions at the hospitals, it's always so surprising to me, the nurses that say during and after sessions, I didn't know that I didn't have to judge. I didn't know that it was okay not to have an opinion. I felt like I needed to say, you're so brave, you're doing the right thing. Or right. I needed to say, is this really what you want to do? Have you really thought about it? And that's not my role. My role is just to provide neutral, compassionate care. And so family to family really works with the staff and, and helps them identify their own biases and helps them to leave them at the door and to go in and provide that care. Because yeah. even with the best intentions, when a birth mother is making this choice, if you tell her you're so brave, well, the alternative is if you don't do this, you're not brave. You're a coward. Right. You're not doing what's best. And that's not what this mother needs to hear. She needs the time and the space to finalize her decision. And she doesn't need to be influenced, right? And so right. family to family helps with that. Um, it's Look, it's best for baby. It's best for mom. It's best for family. It's best for everybody when that process is allowed to happen in the right way. So how that relates to birth plans is, Look, this hospital staff, they can torpedo your birth plans in a heartbeat. And they absolutely <laughs> they they will absolutely two poor things back to, you know, they're full of helpers, but sometimes they they help in all the wrong ways. Um, and so you you need to consider what you want, what birth parents want, and be ready to advocate for yourself. So if yes. you think about back to the back to the birth certificates, a person who's not familiar with an adoption or has a particular experience may feel that the birth parents should name the baby. And in your birth planning, you may have discussed that that's not what the birth parents wishes all are. Maybe birth mom says, no, I, I don't want to be that invested. I want you to name the baby. And so that's right. what you agreed to. And look, people have all kinds of opinions about this stuff. We've got, everybody has an opinion. Should you name, should you not name? That decision is up to those birth parents in that moment. That's right. Whether they want to or not. And, and they do not need to be influenced by anyone about that decision. But that person filling out the birth certificate can. And, and I've seen it happen. They come in and they say, oh, well, that's what you all want to name the baby once it's adopted. But you should name it now. You mm. should, you know, make sure that mm -hmm. baby has a tie to you and has. And it's happened. And so there went your whole birth plan. And they're. You know, we're not respecting the, the wishes of the birth parent in that particular situation. And yeah. so just remember that every choice you make along the way, um, practice it yourself, practice that neutral, compassionate care, but also expect it and advocate for it for birth mom um, and baby. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You, you were saying, you know, advocate for yourself. And I, I had an experience in the hospital where I actually had to advocate for myself uh, with a nurse because um, my daughter wasn't eating and breathing at the same time. And she kept kind of blowing me off. And I'm like, you know, hold up. Okay. And I brought finally made her sit there and watch. And then my daughter ended up in the NICU for 13 days because she was 
34 weeks gestation, she wasn't ready to eat and breathe at the same time. So you didn't carry that baby, but you know what's best for that baby. Advocate for yourself and advocate for that birth parent, that expectant parent, because they may just not feel um, confident enough to speak up. And so make sure that, you know, you're advocating for them also, you need to step in and help make sure their wishes and their, you know, people are respecting them and what they want while they're in the hospital. That's right. That's right. And, you know, during your wait, while you're waiting, I recommend that you take the time, like go and research this stuff. Um, We talked about family to family. They have a great website. They have great social media, um, you know, lots of resources, but they exist in other places as well. So go and, and do the research, find out what it, what it means to provide this neutral care um, and expect it. But then also keep your expectations aligned with reality, right? Especially yeah. since the past two years with the pandemic, our medical staff, they are spent, they are tired um, and we yeah. cannot expect them to be perfect. So what you do want to do is just expect that you're not going to have this, you know, made for Instagram moment. You may not oh, have no. the video of, you know, unveiling this beautifully wrapped baby and you crying yep. and dad videoing that may not happen. I think in yeah. all likelihood it won't happen. And that's mm-hmm. not important in the moment. What's no. important is that baby is taken care of, birth mom is taken care of, yes. and that you're able to build a trusting relationship um, that is 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 right for everyone involved. And what you don't yeah. want to do is you don't want to be sad and regret your hospital experience. I can tell you that's, you know, that I do regret our hospital experience because it was so bad and I it's led to the passion I have for for helping others not to um, encounter what we encountered. Yes. But I do suggest just align your expectations, do your research, know what to expect so that you can be that advocate and look for the helpers. They are there amongst all the, the negative that I could go on about for hours. There was this one incredibly kind nurse. She was mm. very experienced. She was very kind. She took care of me. She took care of baby. She, you know, she did everything she needed to do for the entire time we were there. So for, so look for, look for the people like her. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so helpful. Um, And I want to go to that part where you said, you know, you may not have that Instagram worthy moment. Um, I want to talk about the, um, I, well, we could talk forever, but you know, (laughs) maybe we'll have you back in season two, but I want to talk about um, walking out of the hospital Mm -hmm. because, you know, you think it's going to be this romantic feeling and this picture worthy moment and, 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 but I had, um, some, you know, my feelings were very mixed. I had lots of joy, lots of grief, lots of fear. And it just kind of felt weird. Honestly, I felt like I was just walking out of the hospital with someone else's baby because I was, although I was a chosen parent. Um, And then there's always this question of like, what now? And I think if you dive into the reality of parenting, sometimes you kind of have to fake it till you make it and and just let everything click into place. And, you know, it didn't take long for me. I definitely felt like mom very soon after, but just, you know, what was your experience and um, how did you feel and what should people expect to feel when they're walking out of the hospital? 
Yeah, you make me laugh. I, I think of uh, a good friend of mine. She always says, I certainly felt like the real mom at three in the morning when I was walking the halls, you know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> believe me, the mom feelings are there and they will come. Um, but I'll tell you the moment that I first saw my son and the moment I first held him, you know, growing up, I thought, oh, this is, this is going to be this magical moment. I couldn't wait for it. Now we had been driving for 18 hours. We were exhausted. But I can tell you when I held him, I was terrified. I was so afraid. I wondered what in the world am I doing? Can I really do this by myself? Um, I was very cognizant that his birth parents were watching. Um, yes. <laughs> and yes, so you have an audience, you right? Do. It's the birth parents, the, you know, the expectant parents, you have the hospital staff yep. and they're like, oh, is, should, you know, is this girl going to do the right thing? Yeah, That's yeah. right. Well, and, and so as part of our birth plan, uh, birth mom had said, when he's born, I want you to hold him. I don't, I don't want to hold him first. I want you to do that. I need yeah. to see you bond with him immediately. Yeah. So that was in my mind, you know, when I met baby and I was like, oh, he's beautiful. He's wonderful. And yeah. <laughs> so in my mind, I was like, oh my God, what am I doing? Um, but it, it you know, I, that fades very quickly because they, the babies are beautiful and wonderful and, and, um, you know, the, and then they grow up, they grow up. Yeah. And then here we are again. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I think the entire time you're in the hospital and when you go to leave, some of those feelings are still there. It's still, what am I doing? Um, I am walking out of the hospital with a baby and right. I give birth to this baby. And can I do this? Um, so, you know, I think you should expect that. And and goodbyes at the hospital may be different from what you are thinking. So back to taking time to research hospital policies and laws in the hospital where my son was born, I was not able to walk out of the hospital with him. A social worker had to take him out of the hospital and then hand him to me in a parking lot. Yeah. Um, so, and I know you had, you had something with, with one of your daughters that was similar. They, well, they made me ride in a wheelchair for whatever reason. <laughs> they wouldn't let me walk out. They were like, okay, you have to sit in this wheelchair and hold the baby. I'm like, okay, I'll take a free ride. Go push right. me out. You know, I thought it was weird, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in those moments we'll do whatever. Right. But yeah. so, you know, expect, and that's one of the things family to family is working on. There's no reason for that. Um, there's absolutely no reason. And so we have at some of the hospitals that, that we've been training, we've changed those policies so that, you know, parents can, can walk out with their child. Um, because at the yeah. time we left the hospital, surrender papers had been signed and, and baby was mine. Um, right. so I, I should have been able to walk out with him, but so prepare for that. Yeah. But I can also tell you one of the important things that I did not prepare for, I wish we would have had an agency that would have prepared us for this. Um, they didn't. And, uh, you know, back to season two, we switched agencies midway through the hospital yeah. experience. So that's another topic. But the great <laughs> agency that we ended up with, um, their recommendation and their policy, what they what they made us do was they made me leave. And they made me give mom time with mm. the baby um, mm -hmm. before she was discharged. And so she, you know, had had time, obviously, before I got there. But once I got there, um, she had limited contact with baby. Um, 
And so they said, no, she needs the space to say her goodbyes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, everybody has an opinion. So I've heard some people say, oh, no, she shouldn't have been forced to do that. And maybe, maybe not. But in the end, she did agree to it. Um, and she did, she did do it. And afterwards, she told me she's, she was very glad she had that time. Um, it was meaningful. It was difficult, but it was meaningful for her. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I had to leave and I was very afraid of leaving by this point. I think he had been with me three or four days, something like that. Yeah. And I was very afraid that when I left, she would change her mind. Yeah. And look, here's that's a real fear. It's a real fear and it's a reality, but here's the deal. It's easy seven years later to say, yeah. but that was the right thing in the moment. It was so hard and I was so afraid, but I can tell you that seven years later, when we speak to his birth mother, she tells me, and she's told me a few times, I have zero regrets. Yeah. I, we That's did it what the you right want way. at the end of the day. Absolutely. We did it the right way. I had my chance to say goodbye. I told him what I needed to say and I chose you for him. Yeah. And she tells me that it gives me peace and comfort. Um, and I can one day tell him that. And, and that's yeah. what matters. That's what um, it's about. It is, but it isn't easy. Um, it is, it is not easy at all to walk away and to know that over the next two hours, you aren't there and yeah. the baby is with them and whatever's happening is happening and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. but let it happen. I, I yeah. would suggest that you prepare for their goodbye to baby and then, mm -hmm. you know, prepare for when you leave the hospital as well. Yeah, Ashley, my goodness, we are running out of time. But it's so good for my soul to sit with you and have this conversation. And I know that your stories and your experience is going to help encourage our listeners. Um, and so I just want to wrap up with one last question. And that is, what's the one thing that you did or you wish you would have done just to stay encouraged and joyful while you're waiting? Because that wait can sometimes stretch out. What, what's the one thing you could recommend to our listeners? I remember when I was waiting, you told me, read a book, girl, go read a book because you will not read again for a long time. Um, and I love to read. I'm an avid reader. And you were so right. Um, I don't think I fully realized at the moment, but you were very right. Um, now, the books I chose to read at the time were not, you know, A Thousand Splendid Sons, one of my favorites or anything like that. It was yeah. I chose to read books about adoption. Yeah. And I would say that that's a good thing. Um, I wish I would have been more intentional in looking at other resources that were available to research, you know, the things we talked about, laws, hospitals. Yes. Um, policies. If you know the area where your baby is going to be born, look into those laws, look into the hospital. Um, you know, I'll plug the family to family website again. There's a lot of great resources there and then yeah. links out to other places. It Because it's more than just, uh, you know, preparing for baby. You need to do that. You absolutely need to do that. And there's, there's a great book, a social worker um, gave me the raising an adopted child, which is wonderful, you know, takes you through the, the different stages. Um, 
but also take time to research the laws and the policies so that you are prepared um, to advocate for your baby, for birth mom, and for yourself. Yeah. Okay. We're going to have you back in season two because I've got so much more to say. Um, but just thank you, Ashley. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for pouring into our listeners and to me. I feel completely full now. So thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me and best wishes to all of the waiting parents, all of the babies and, and all of the, the birth parents. It's a journey. Get ready.